in the pandemic, books were not socially distant from us. It was one of the comforts for a lot of people. There were books to read and books to follow and books to look forward to. But one of the strange things about reading, although it's done silently and it's done alone most of the time, that you want to share books, that if you like a book, you want someone else to read it, that you love the idea of a book that is, in a way, being, being part of the community or part of a community of readers. With that in mind, the art of reading is a way of bringing readers together. It's a way of choosing books that I think people might like because they have given me a lot of pleasure and having a discussion about these books and bringing people together so that we all know that it's not just that reading is a form of pleasure, which it also is, but it's an art. It, it, it's actually a way for us to engage intellectually and imaginatively with words, with sentences, with what writers have done. And um, so for that reason, um, I want to share these books that have mattered so much to me. Thank you very much for doing this. This book of stories, Blank Pages and Other Stories, the stories are perfect. In other words, if you study them carefully, sentence by sentence, the structure, the whole way the sent one sentence does one thing, the next sentence moves slightly away from that, just tonally, and I think also um, thematically, that there, 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 there's a sense of something just perfectly made. But I suppose what I want to start by saying is, is perfection good enough? In other <laughs> words, that what's lovely sometimes in the stories is ways in which the characters behave out of character. Someone does the least likely thing you imagine they're going to do. Or else, if a, if a story, just say, is 100 details, and you need to get the 100 details absolutely accurate and absolutely right, what I notice in these stories is in the middle of the story, there's one detail that you particularly work on that seems to me to have a particular sort of resonance. I'm talking about the way if you, if you have flowers you've bought in a garage and you have them by the sound of the cellophane, how that sound will come. Um, or if you just look at how a cigarette can be dealt with, the, the, whole, the whole way an ashtray is described. What, what I'm talking about, it, I suppose, is a sort of idea of the image itself, of capturing a sort of accuracy, deep accuracy, in the way things are in the world. For example, um, um, this is about an ashtray. The, the, Dr. Irving, they don't smoke. So they have to send the maid to get an ashtray. The ashtray arrives. It took some time before the maid found one. It was a freebie Dr. Irvin had got at a medical conference, advertising players may be cut. Now, listen to this. You wrote this. At each corner, there was a small indentation to rest your cigarette. Right, but that's, yeah, absolutely. We know what that is. And then the next one, Myrtle kept tapping hers, sometimes sharpening the ash against the rim. And obviously it doesn't, this doesn't add to our sense of character. It doesn't add to our sense of plot. It stops time for a moment, but, it, but in stopping time, then it opens our imagination to actually seeing the object. And so that the story, while the story doesn't depend on this moment, yet somehow or other, there's a shiver in this moment at which uh, the story lifts in some way or turns in some way. And I suppose the question is, um, uh, how much does this matter to you, this, this idea of finding an object you can work with in this way? Ah, yeah, thank you for saying that. Uh, but the, the, the difficulty is that I've always found that 
you want to write vividly. Uh, and so if you capture a detail like this uh, and the reader reads it and is convinced by it, then we make a kind of silent move to what is spiritual or what is human uh, and that they, they believe the sensual world that you have described and therefore they take it that what you're talking about, about their character uh, is also uh, there within that description. I, I kind of, when you, when you mentioned that, that there was a, a thing in the, the, the novel before that was Midwinter Break. Uh, and uh, the, the couple who have been married for forever and ever uh, go on a, a weekend to Amsterdam and the wife has bought uh, a pair of pajamas uh, and in Marks and Spencers and unwraps the cellophane uh, and bundles it up and puts it in the waste paper basket. Uh, and the sound is described of the, uh, the polythene or what, what, whatever, cellophane uh, tries to reform itself with the crackle as it goes back. Uh, and I suppose at some very deep level, that's what these characters are doing, the husband and the wife, that, that they're reforming or trying to, uh, to shape themselves uh, in this dilemma that they're going to suffer throughout the whole holiday of three or four days. Uh, the, that, uh, I, I think it adds a kind of depth. Uh, th there are things that just come up uh, as you're writing. Uh, and you say, it's, it's not so much that I, I wanted to put that in, is that I want to leave that in there because it's working. Uh, that uh, the, there was a, somebody was asking me lately about uh, the idea that of <coughs> um, what writing is about, or, you know, that, that what it can be compared to. Uh, and I was, likening it to breastfeeding that uh what what happens in breastfeeding it seems is that the the baby feeds upon the breast and produces the milk and a writer sits down at his desk and begins writing words and that produces the story or uh, the imagery and he he gets that and he continues to write uh, and it continues to provide milk and story uh, slash. <laughs> uh, so, so that uh, th those people who would say plan elaborately, I don't think work in the same way as those people who sit down and start to write and say, yes, that, that actually works at the bottom of that paragraph. Uh, we're going to leave yeah. that. Um, there, there are things that really interest you. There's an earlier story of yours that, that I really admire, as you know, called, I think it's called Still Life. Mm -hmm. And it, it is the one about a young man whose father has fights with him over staying up late doing his, doing his paintings and painting on glass. Mm -hmm. And then he finds at the end of his father's life, he finds himself at the bedside and he's doing a drawing. Yes. And if anyone were to ask, that is one of your subjects. And in a way, it's a metaphor for writing itself. That, that, that in other words, as you say, the other person is producing the energy. 
and you are simply working as hard as you can to capture some of that energy from life mm -hmm. and the life can pass you by and in other words someone, someone can fade away in that time but you're still working and so I think in two of these stories, the one about the death mask and the one about Egon Schiele, the whole idea of an artist or someone working with, with, with death, with someone fading away, with creating a memorial around death, that these are things that really, really interest you fundamentally. I mean, it's lovely seeing them coming up again. You're mm -hmm. having another go, turning them around another way to, to see if they're working. But I think the first thing I think they are, and correct me if I'm wrong, is a sort of way of writing about writing without writing directly about it. <laughs> and yeah. the other thing is the actual drama itself really interests you. How yeah. you can get energy from that interaction. The, 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 it's interesting, the, the, the one about the, the death mask. Uh, I suppose that one began, you know, if you think of what, what origins, where did it come from? Uh, was the, I, I had read somewhere and was interested in the, the James Joyce death mask uh, and that uh, somewhere there was a footnote which said there were two death, uh, two death masks and uh, I, I thought and tried to begin writing that but it was too much research and it wasn't right uh, but I liked the idea of uh, the death mask. Uh, I liked the idea that it was a woman who was uh, awakened or roused in the evening and sent out to do something because the, the sculptor who was to do it has <laughs> dropped a, a huge uh, kind of oxygen cylinder onto his foot. And, you know, that, that one detail leads to another and it's convincing in some way that you, you're surprised at that. What is she doing? That's the other thing, is that uh, if you begin describing what is going on in the story, uh, instead of a kind of a plot, people are saying, what is she doing? Uh, why is she getting that stuff out of the cupboard? Why, where is she going? Uh, oh, these are all kind of narrative points that uh, the reader wants to have solved. Uh, and to have the satisfaction of those being solved. But in, uh, you don't always do that. Uh, the, you, sometimes what you leave out is, uh, is as important. Uh, and that woman coming back in early morning, uh, I had thought of that one as an Edinburgh story. Uh, I don't know why, uh, but uh, it, 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 it's interesting. It's in the past. Uh, and there are some things to still I want solved about that story. Yeah, I thought it was an Edinburgh story because of the views, the vistas, and the way the way the buildings were described, and the way the hills were done. Yes, and yes. Was, also there's a lovely little moment where there's a, there's a possibility news that that another European war is coming. So you mm. realize this is the 1930s. Yes, 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 and and and, and, and the 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 uh, the genius. Uh, who would have his face done uh, in a face mask? You know, there there were plenty of them around Edinburgh uh, to to have that kind of reputation. You know, <laughs> I, um, yeah. Um, we're talking. I was just going on there about the thirties. One of the things that's 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 I think not directly in the book is a story directly about the troubles. 
But what mm. you're doing is you're going back to an earlier trouble, which is the Second World War. Yes. Which is, of course, uh, you know, the, we, we know about how the North handles the First World War. We know about the troubles. But that middle bit we have in, what, one or two Brian Moore novels. But, uh, you know, the Second World War, the bombing of Belfast. But, but, but in these two stories, the first and the last story in the book, you find what Henry James talks about um, when he writes his early stories set in the American Civil War. I'm not writing about the battlefield. I'm writing about another part of the field. I'm writing about what he calls the reverse side of the picture. In other words, mm -hmm. those who stayed at home during a war. Mm -hmm. and, and I think I just, um, talking about perfection, you know, and just that first sentence, the first paragraph of a love picture, that first story, she set the egg in its egg cup. No sooner had she sat down than she had to get up and go to the kitchen for a spoon. There was a step down which she took in her stride the small apostle spoon she used for eating an egg from its shell was in the cutlery drawer and she rattled around it until she found it. Uh, first thing is, of course, that I'm seeing, um, I'm seeing a Seamus Heaney poem, the description of domestic space, the sort of capturing a sort of Vermeer moment. And yes. I will describe how the egg cup was, which you know, Catherine Mansfield talks about. I will tell you how the laundry basket squeaked. <laughs> and uh, so, but, yes. but what you're doing in the story is, is finding a very unusual, a very unusual dream, a very unusual drama. I just wonder if you could give us some help. I mean, how did the story come? Uh, well, that, that one was... Uh... It, it was a way for me to write about my family uh, that uh, when when I was uh, growing up, uh, I realized that my father, who was an artist, um, he uh, he was a painter. Uh, he was a, a commercial artist. He called himself doing adverts for uh, charities and the YP pools, publishing them in the papers. He illustrated a, a, a Bible for schools and things like that. But as his main money-making job when, when he came out from the tech in Belfast was to be the manager of a cinema, uh, the, oh, capital, the capital cinema uh, on the Antrim Road in Belfast. And uh, when he was given a job uh, by the Curran brothers, uh, who owned the, the cinema, uh, uh, the, the secretary was typing up the details uh, and uh, she typed MC instead of MAC, uh, and my father went over and said, "Have said uh, uh, you've spelled that wrongly," uh, and she changed it, uh, and then they got married. <laughs> uh, 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 so that was a way of me uh, writing about my family, but not writing about them. That uh, the there was a cousin of his, um, Uncle Huey, he was called, and he was the projectionist. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> there, there were things that came into our house, uh, like, and this was just after the war, I presume, uh, and there was carpet 
cuts of carpet come from the capital cinema, taken out uh, and laid on our our stairway. And as a child, you're very close to the stairway when you're playing on it and looking down at this very heavily ornate and patterned carpet, I could see cigarette burns all through it. Uh, and this, this was an uh, evidence of poverty uh, in our house until we were able to buy a new carpet. Um, and the meeting of the man and the woman in this story, uh, a love picture, um, is a kind of a nod to that, uh, that uh, she is a widow uh, and uh, it's a technological story as well, that we work with uh, emails and all this sort of stuff. Uh, but in those days, it was wonderful to go to the pictures or go to the cinema and see the newsreel and something on the newsreel that was happened like two days ago or three days ago. Uh, so all these kind of wee themes intermesh and make that story something that I have created out of my life, uh, but obliquely, uh, as uh, who was the woman said, tell it slant, you know, uh, uh, Emily Dickinson. Uh, yeah. Tell it slant, uh, and um, that that was that was what the, that story was about, and it was a, an interesting story to write and to create, uh, and moving in a way. Uh, I mean, the, the the idea of all that stuff that you used to have an armband in in mourning. Uh, she thinks in the story. Everybody's read the story in the in the group. Uh, uh, that the, the son has died, uh, been lost at sea. Uh, and she, people in those days wore this black armband. Uh, and uh, the, well, what was, I, was, I was on a track there now, but I've lost, I've lost the thread of uh, where, where, where I was going with that. But uh, the, the, yes, that, that, that uh, she wonders being so self-conscious that, would it be right for her to wear perfume? Is that the same as wearing an elaborate dress or a colorful dress when she should be in mourning? Would the woman who lives two doors down know that she was wearing perfume and how what a cheap trollop she might be? Or uh, so the the, the all this, I mean, I mean, in the story, when it comes to the perfume thing, you're very, you're very careful. Careful. you actually choose the perfume. You know, you, you have exactly how she sprays it, the whole business. It, it becomes a sort of image on its yes. own story. But the like egg cup does. Yeah, but then that, that, that was because uh, my aunt Sissy had, had one of those things, a puffer. I don't know what you actually call them, but it's like a thing that sits on a dressing table and it has a wee uh, rubber thing that you puff out uh, the atomizer. Uh, I think it was called. You used the uh, word, uh, the word you use actually is atomizer. And stop me <laughs> for a second. And Alan, atomizer, I think I know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, those, those things, once you have witnessed as a child, the, the writing is about the intensity of recall 
of your uh, things of your childhood. It was a Graham Greene that said that, that you know everything important has happened to a writer before he's eighteen, uh, and uh, you know that 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 as a, uh, the the things that you remember from childhood. Uh, that uh, Aunt, Aunt Sissy's wee atomizer. Atomizer. Um, Bernard, <laughs> this is, if I don't ask you this question, I'm going to be really, I'm going to really kick myself afterwards. It's a, such a detail, but I need to know it. Now, twice in the book, um, in the first story and also in the story called Searching, you use the phrase Christ the night. Mm. Or Jesus Christ the night. Now, uh, this is pure endoscopy where I'm from. People would say, oh, Jesus Christ tonight. But I always thought it was tonight. I've never seen it written down before, but it's really part of speech. And it was part of the speech of my childhood. Oh, Lord, tonight, did you ever see anything? Like, oh, Lord, tonight. Uh -huh. now, I thought it was tonight. You think it's Christ the night. And you're I, probably right. I, but where, how do you know? Sorry, I, I'm, I've, just, I've just lost that. Uh, you how just do you know it? that it's Christ the night rather than Christ tonight? <laughs> well, it's in my house. That's in my, in my house. My words go. <laughs> uh, there were lots of other things like that too. The, the, right. the way the way the eccentricities yeah. of people talking. That Aunt Mary, who my my, my, my the father who who was the cinema person, uh, brought his uh, my mother's. Uh, grandmother and grandfather and great aunt to live with us in the house after the war. And these people just talked and they talked about various things. And I would listen as a child and you could hear, uh, you couldn't quote them, but you could hear the rhythm of the voice, uh, the intensity of the speech, uh, all of that. And the things that they talked about, I remember, I remember them uh, eating um, sliced orange sandwiches, which is. Very thinly, and they would put them between white bread and they would eat them, and then they would say, I wonder, does the Queen have sandwiches? And the, the, these were Catholic people wondering about the Queen. The Queen was an interest in her, in their lives, uh, and they, they they marveled at the Queen. Uh, but the, um, and were Republicans. Can, can I just move on to ask you about the very last story, which um, I have to say I found it so tense that I had to look ahead to make sure that something was going to work out because I was so worried that it wasn't, that they were just going to sit for the evening, the two doctors, e eating, drinking, and talking. And yes. that the other story, the story we're actually watching. So what you yeah. have to do is set up that, set up two stories that are almost in opposition to each other. The two very privileged gentlemen and the man who's really poverty stricken. Mm -hmm. And you put them, you have to have a conscious of, of one while the other is happening. So technically, it's quite a difficult thing to do, but you also had to do something very interesting. You make the two men, the two doctors, the American doctor, the Irish doctor, extremely bigoted people. Yes. And where the reader goes, you didn't just say what you just said about Roman Catholics or about African-Americans, and they do. But then they become very good men in other ways. So the, the drama is the ambiguities within them 
as yes. much of the drama between the two strands. I, I think it's an extraordinary story. I have to say, I really, I really found it so satisfying, so brilliantly done. I wonder if you could give us some background to it. Hey, yeah, well, that, that again, is um, there's a, a beginning in reality to it that my wife, Madeline, uh, was from a, a place in County Derry, uh, and uh, she remembers... Uh, as a child, the first uh, African-American uh, soldier uh, coming there during the war, that, that, that she saw uh, this guy in the back of a, a truck. Um, and uh, that, that, was, that was interesting in a way. Uh, and the, the, the other thing was that she said uh, that there was somebody, there was a story that somebody had been uh, their life had been saved by this new drug, penicillin. Uh, and I, I, when writing that story, I'd say that to my own GP. I was visiting him uh, just, and uh, uh, he said, oh, yeah, there are lots of those stories. Uh, so uh, it didn't matter. Maybe I would create my own story out of that. Uh, the other thing was that uh, Madeline's father, was uh, a man who uh, would go out and cut uh, sticks from the hedges. Uh, that was a kind of hobby of his that he would make blackthorn sticks uh, and hang them with weights and uh, uh, soak them and make them straight and all the rest of it. Uh, and uh, he, he would get a few bob from that uh, or give them away, as in this case. Uh, uh, so it also is interesting in the way, too, that when, when the two sticks are handed over to the two doctors, their play, embarrassed kind of play, uh, is one of them is kind of looking at it as if it's a, a rifle or a, a, an armament of some sort, and the other's like a, a stick under the arm of imperialism. Or <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Those, those details, they all I think they all work. Uh, and uh, the, 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 the one that is not explored is that the guy who is the American uh, may well be a Catholic. Oh, he has to be a Catholic, doesn't he? I mean, he says, I'm a Pole, yeah, and his yeah. mother's name is Irish. Oh, I, oh, 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 I'm presuming all along that, he, that he, <laughs> just because he's American, they yeah. just don't imagine he could be a Roman Catholic. And yeah, yes, that's yes. part of his shock. But he has his own bigotry. So it's yeah. not as... Oh, easy. totally, totally, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and many times I, I, that I've heard that comparison made that, uh, you know, the, the civil rights movement, you know, uh, were like the African-Americans. Yes. Uh, yes. That, yes. that uh, to be under unionist regime is to be like uh, 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 an African-American in, uh, yeah. in America. Yeah. Um, but when we started talking about fiction first, it was about 1980 and uh, we were young. <laughs> and uh, now things have changed. I don't know what's happened. And uh, But you have become one of the great investigators and explorers of what late middle age into old age has become in Midwinter Break and in some of these stories. It seems to me to, for you to, that for you, it's 
it's a very rich thing to explore the whole idea of fading of a body that's fading a memory that might be going a memory that might be brilliantly good at some things loneliness solitude being living alone when you're old that these are great subjects for fiction uh, yeah yeah and uh, well the the what you approach as you come out of your middle age period and go into the octogenetic what is it Octo, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, 80s, you know, that you're, yes. you're, look, you're looking back and you're sort of saying, oh, my God, uh, 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 things are getting serious now. You know, we're not going to be around for... I, I remember as, as a writer, I don't earn very much, but uh, I remember going out uh, and buying... Uh, I had run out of... You know the big red book that you do your taxes in? Uh, and you put them all in columns uh, and... Uh, Put it. I had run out of one of these the last year, about ten, seven, eight years, uh, and you make your returns on those. And I, I remember thumbing these books in a shop, saying, "Now I wonder, can I take a five-year one or a ten-year one? <laughs> See what what money I can save on this." Uh, uh, and and I, I think I must have been filled with optimism that day and I bought a 10-year one uh, a long time ago. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that, 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 that you realise that being raised as a Catholic and finding Catholicism of such interest uh, through all its uh, pomp and circumstance and all that and then and then the period when you 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 reject it and it's not it's not really the way the world it is uh, and uh, you're now in a period where uh, inevitably death is going to come you know like the old queen uh, eventually uh, went uh, and we now have a king, uh, but <laughs> it's, it's such a wonderful gift. Uh, uh, so when you think about these things, then you try to write them in a way. Uh, you try to uh, grapple with them uh, and the sadness that exists, that that mother in the home of, of her being uh, somebody who is in middle ages, completely stylish, and would go to a school sports day in high heels and a, and a kind of wee net thing over her hat, and uh, and then to be found walking the streets in a crocodile with uh, a t-shirt with gold lame on it, and you know, and flat-heeled shoes. Uh, it, it, it shows such a sadness, uh, the way people have let themselves go, as my mother would have said. Uh, don't let uh, yourself just, just before we take um, questions from the other readers, there's one story that I wonder if you could just gloss for us a bit. And it seems to me to be a COVID story. And it's the, it's, it's the story called The End of Days. And it's mm. that during the COVID pandemic, we look back at the 1918 flu and yes. the epidemic and the extraordinary figure, the numbers of people who died in that. Yes. And one of the great figures who died, who's, who you feel is such a tragedy, is the Austrian painter, Egon Schiele. 
yes. um, who made these extraordinary elongated, beautifully made figures with a lot of little colors, but but really e extraordinary original in what he was doing as an artist. Yeah. And he was very, very young and himself and his wife both died of influenza in in the 1918, they were among the most sort of, I suppose, the victims where you really could see a life ahead for him as an artist. That was yes. quite short yes. in the pandemic. So, the, so the story, the end of days, is is the story of what happened to him in 1918. Mm. Yes, yeah. Um, again, again, I, I had been in Vienna and I, I thought of those things, and I I felt that uh, I should address that COVID strand somehow or other i had uh, i had most of these stories written and then i i, I got a, a robert louis stevenson uh, fellowship to go to france uh, to to finish and tidy the collection uh, and i still felt there was a hole in it that i hadn't written about anything to do with covid because covid had hadn't arrived uh, and then I thought I really should address that in some way. I had been really interested in Egon Schiele uh, ever since. Well, there, I remember going to my auntie Sissy's house, which was just across the street, and going in there. And one of the habits that you had was to go in there and look under the cushions uh, to see what the magazines were. Uh, they would be tidied away underneath the cushion. And I remember Time magazine, I think it was, or Newsweek, I think it was Time, uh, had a, a kind of art column and there were wee tiny, tiny drawings or tiny uh, paintings uh, and that really interested me. Uh, and there was one of them had drawings by Egon Schiele in it and they were explosive. I thought they were just terrific. Uh, and uh, it, it was years later before I, I saw them at, at full size or uh, what he was trying to do, that energy that he has uh, about the human body. Uh, he, he, he had some kind of different uh, habits, uh, particularly with young people, but it, it seems that in Vienna at that time, uh, very young people are uh, were sexually aware or were becoming involved in sex and that he ended up in court and he did days a number of days in jail uh, and I, I kind of wondered how I could write this story how this story was uh, that the, the two people involved or the, the, the two and a half people involved uh, were going to die uh, and uh, they're in the middle of COVID this was happening all around us and uh, it was something that was uh, worth exploring it's a serious it's a dark side but there's an energy too about an artist like that uh, and uh, I, I had long wanted to write about him, uh, and that was the way that that it, that it came about. Uh, and it's a serious and and, and dark story. It it also, um, if there's any structure in the book, the, the the story at the beginning, the love picture is about a a resurrection of sorts, and the story at the end 
is about a resurrection of a different sort. And the story in the middle is of uh, where they don't win, they die. Uh, and uh, it, it's almost like a hammock, you know, that uh, the shape of it. Um, so for all of those reasons, uh, for the artistic reasons, the historical reasons, um, that, that story got written. Bernard, thank okay. you very much. That was great. It's really, really great to see you. Okay. <laughs>